Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in WFRP 4th Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Steve and Matt. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Doing quite well. Well, I haven't really played any board games this past month, but I did get a PlayStation 4, and it came with a Battlefront 2 game, so I've been doing that for the last month, and uh, i got to tell you, the graphics are just phenomenal. I can't believe it. It blows my mind, the graphics now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, really, it really it's does. Uh, the gameplay's fun. I don't think they have kind of the waves, you know, the wave combat, you know, round one, yeah. you know, round two. They don't right, right. have that unless I don't know where to find it. That's too bad, but they do have a lot of other, uh, the multiplayer is 20 versus 20. They got aerial combat now, 14 versus 14. Yeah. It, it's real nice. Yeah, I played so, the yeah. first one, but not the second ones. Uh, I hear it's amazing. I just, I was going to buy it, but then with the whole situation. So, so, so much yeah. controversy around it, yeah. Right. It was really a... Uh... It sure was. I I bought it after the controversy, so... Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, the price dropped. I'm 30 or $40 I saw it in the store. I probably well, should go pick it up. I think there's a, there's $30 worth of game there, but yeah, I was turned off, for sure, from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. But, uh, the main storylines are fun. They're technical. Yeah. It's, it's, it's... Yeah, some of that tied into play. The Last Jedi, too. You sure did. Like, you find a, a trinket early on in the campaign that you see in Luke's hut in The Last Jedi, which is awesome that they tied it in like that. Right. And plus it has a first-player storyline, which is from the Empire point of view, which I'm all about. I, I really want to go do that. Yeah. So Now, uh, as far as my gaming, I've kind of been up to some uh, WFRP 2nd Edition, which is uh, definitely cool. I've been working on a 40K army, you know, just for fun. I've been doing that with a couple of friends, doing a Tale of Four Gamer sort of thing. Besides that, most of my life has been really prepping for launch, and as part of that, I've been playing WFRP, uh, second edition, and in fact, I just got done with a session here recently. Yeah, as as always, (laughs) I, I think my favorite thing in that game is to force my players to make agility checks, because no matter what... They just don't succeed. I even there's a there's there's a particular player that you may one day find out about that uh, put all his leveling up or whatever into agility, and he still fails them. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the beauty of WFRP is that it it's relentless. You think you've got this great plan set up, and sometimes you just fall on your face. Wait, that's... I have to make two checks. Oh crap! The spectacular yes. fails. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> Well, I, I've been playing a game recently for this past month called The Mind. It's a, a really interesting cooperative game where uh, your whole goal is to play cards into one collective pile in the center of the table. The pile has to be ascending in value. However, the trick is that the players at the table cannot communicate in any way whatsoever. No talking, no signals, no gestures. It's all based on making eye contact with one another. So you have to survive a certain number of rounds. The first round, each player has one card. You have to play them to the center of the table. The deck of cards is it's 100 cards, so 1 to 100. And as you level up, the second level, each player has two cards. Third level, each player has three cards. Hmm. Up to, in a, in a four-player game, the final round, each player has eight cards. So you Ooh. have 32 cards that you have no idea the values of the other players. You have to play them into one pile in the center of the table. And it is... Absolutely insane how much fun this game is. You would never think that you could get figured out ways of communicating without saying anything. 
but it's it's super fun. I played with my wife the other night, made it to round 12 between the two of us, and it was the first time that we've won, and it was <clears throat> amazing. Nice. Can you, like, wink or do anything like that? No, no definitive communication of any kind. No smiling. Eye contact. That's it. No semi-frowns. I mean... Outside of of uh, normal blinking, not not really, but it's been uh, it's been really fun. It's definitely been the highlight of my last month of gaming. Cool, cool beans. All right, well, let's move on to some news and announcements. So this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on WFRP and any related news. So we scour the web for any awesome, juicy bits of news, anything related to WFRP 4th edition, and uh, anything else that's semi-related as well. And we let you know what's going on. I think in Cubicle 7 news, we got a pretty big piece of news, don't we, Matt? Well, the yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit. Uh, Cubicle 7 hasn't completely confirmed this yet. But the UK Games Expo, which is a convention that happens in the United Kingdom from June 1st to June 3rd, announced that they will be having copies of WFRP there and that that will be the official release for it. Again, Cubicle 7 has not completely confirmed this yet, but it seems like that's probably pretty legit. I I can't. Cubicle 7, I love you guys, but I I need you to talk to me more about my WFRP, guys, (laughs) because... It hurts my yeah. soul when I find out about your release date from Games Expo, and then you wait a whole week and still haven't confirmed it for me. It's like the silent treatment. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts so bad. It's like finding that you got fired from your job via a tweet or something. <laughs> right. It's just not satisfying. Like you got to hear it from the horse's mouth, otherwise it shouldn't count. Right. Right. In addition, we are now hitting the bulk of the convention season. Origins coming up soon. Gen Con is later this year. Cubicle 7 has confirmed that they will be at both of those. Hopefully, there's a, there's a small chance I will be too. <laughs> yes. I'll be at least one of them. Yes. But there's a chance I might be at two just to get my hands on the WFRP role. Right. Ramp. So I know that they did say they wanted, they were looking for people to GM WFRP 4th edition, but we technically don't know if they will have copies of it available at either of those conventions. Which um, they better. Uh, if they're hopefully. releasing it at Games Expo in right. June first, they you'd should assume. have it. You would yes. assume that, yeah. Or they might just have a link for the download of the PDF. I don't know. I will be so sad if I rush their booth and it's not there. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I was going to say I would not be surprised to see you. You know, text me, hey man, I'm flying to flying to Europe. I'll be back right. in a couple of days. I got to get a. I got to buy a book. I actually talked to my wife, and, and this is surprising, but I don't have a passport, and it takes time to get those or something. What? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and all of our European listeners probably are like, what are you talking about? You don't have a passport? What? But in the U.S., you really don't get those unless you I, – heck, I could go to Canada without right. one. So. Right. <laughs> and where we are, the only country you go to on any regular basis is Canada. So. Right, right. <laughs> we so. got those enhanced licenses. <laughs> right. Right. They're, they're fancy, but you don't need a – I actually talked to my wife about – like, shoot, how much does it cost to get a passport and how much for a plane ticket? And I'm sitting there. Is that worth getting it two weeks early? So nobody can ever accuse us of not being dedicated. <laughs> so right. if you, there was ever any doubt that we aren't committed to WFRP 4th edition, well, you right. can just put that thought to rest. Now, having said all that, if you just love what we're doing and you want to send me money for a plane ticket, I accept. I will find somebody to go. <laughs> Even if I'll find somebody with a passport to go. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. 
can hire a town crier or you can follow us at Twitter at Old World Podcast or Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. Thanks for that uh, social media plug, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the main meat of the show, our main topic today. So we're going to be continuing with a general overview of the Warhammer world and attempt to explain what it is to dive into this world and how different it is from the other settings you might be familiar with. As we explained in episode one, we, we went over like the general feel of the Warhammer world along with its like overarching themes and basic history. Today's show will be an overview of both magic and technology in the Warhammer world. And not just that, it's going to be about how it helps to create a completely different feel that's compared to like other settings out there. So today's show topic, while it is dedicated towards listeners who probably don't have a deep knowledge of the Warhammer world, we think that it's a great review for anyone who maybe hasn't delved into the setting for a while. Like me. <laughs> like Matt. Right. Sit back and enjoy as we take you through magic and technology in tonight's show. Additionally, we would like to place a disclaimer here. As we've discussed before, the Warhammer setting is rich and diverse and has lots and lots and lots of content that has grown exponentially over the years. And to top it off, uh, the background has often changed. Like we've mentioned before, the old world uh, blew up, shattered, shattered my old school ways. Uh, so while <laughs> I can we can feel the pain, <laughs> I can feel the pain in your voice. It's deep. <laughs> Uh, while we are doing our best to give an accurate overview of this world, it is important to note that we may get something wrong. And if we do, we are sorry. We apologize right now. No hate mails needed. But if you need to send them, please send them to Matt. Oh, it's coming to me I now? I agree. <laughs> I've transferred them. Yep. I, you can, my, my mailbox is now full. So. Yep, it's, <laughs> we'll you probably can, forward that to you. <laughs> well, yeah, you can contact me. My email address is lance at oldworldpodcast.com. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so we're going to start off with magic. So magic is something that I've said before defines the Warhammer world. It really does. We really have to define magic. And what is magic? If you listen to episode one, we go into the history of the world and we talk a little bit about this. But magic is essentially power that's taken from the raw form of chaos, from the, the ether. So chaos is that immaterium realm that is not part of the real world, but... When the gates that the old worlds constructed collapsed on the poles of the world, they let this ether into the world. And all magic is essentially derived. That power is taken from chaos. In this world, it's just as likely to kill you as to help you just by its nature. When someone is defining magic in the Warhammer world, it's not just I train and I can do this magical thing. Your ability that you have as a spellcaster isn't that you can just cast spells. It's that you have the ability to interact with the chaos realm and utilize that to cast spells. So we're going to talk a little bit about how that works and all of the different ways that it works. And as part of that, we're going to talk about very briefly the eight winds of magic. And we'll go over each one and just briefly. And I just want to say this. There's a lot to the eight winds of magic. There's a whole lot about it. We're going to touch on the very high-level points, but if you're going to end up playing a spellcaster in WFRP, there's books in the previous editions, and there will be books, I'm sure, in, in fourth edition that are going to go into that way more in detail, and there's some really cool stuff. And we might go more into that in future episodes. But as of now, we're just going to hit some high-level points and give you an idea of what the different types of forms of magic are and how that would work. 
Steve, you want to take us into that one? Sure do. So the Winds of Magic, all wizards use that term, but really it really pertains to just the human side, the human wizards. Basically, there are eight Winds of Magic. They break down into Kish, the White Wind, uh, also called like the Lore of Magic, the Light Order. Uh, basically, wizards would use this for healing or the banishment of demons. Basically, the hardest wind to bend to their will. Next, you got the Azir, or the Blue Wind, Lore of Heavens, Celestial Order. They can predict certain events or maybe change the weather. Right, and when we're talking about, like, orders, humans, unlike the elves, have a difficult time accessing all eight winds all at once. In order to make it more safe for humans, they'll usually train in just one part of the magic they have access to, and that's where the eight winds come from. And as part of that, the colleges of magic and the empire were created, and there's one college for each wind, and each college is known by an order. It's the name of the order. Steve just talked about the light order, the order of light. That is the wizards that study the white wind or the lore of light. Okay, so when you say hish, white wind, lore of light, light order, what what does that mean? How do those things relate to one another? Right, so what this basically means is... Hish is the name of the white wind, the wind that you as a wizard would use to draw your power from, and you would draw that power to cast spells from the lore of light. The magic order that the humans have, the college of magic that practices the lore of light is known as the light order. Hish is the white wind. It's used to fuel the spells that you will cast from the lore of light. And it's used by the Light Order. The Light Order, okay. which is the Imperial Magic College name. So that's that's what we're meaning. Another example might be Azir is the name of the blue wind that you use to fuel spells from the lore of heavens, which is practiced by the Celestial Order. Okay, cool. Awesome. And the next one is Cameron or the Yellow Wind. And that's like the lore of metal or the Gold Order. It's kind of think alchemy is kind of how that would be focused on. Then you have, and I'm probably we're probably pronouncing these all wrong, but Gyron. You is, know we are. Yeah, yeah, the green wind. <laughs> That's why we have the disclaimer. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. To protect right. us from. <clears throat> so the green wind is like the lore of life. It's also known for the jade order. And so that's like growth and nourishment, healing plants, life. Also, another thing I want to point out, too, with all these different winds, they're perceived differently. The green wind of magic is, if you're a wizard, you have the sight to see. That wind kind of falls on the earth like rain, whereas other ones might be like fog or settle or might be like a high-blowing wind. Yep, like the blue wind way up in the sky. Yeah, exactly. They're all perceived differently as well. All right, next you got uh, Gur, the brown wind, the lore of beast, the amber order. Wizards in this group can change shapes, you know, between wolves, ravens. They have better communication with animals. They're more like the earthly group. This this is definitely one that I would choose to be as a player. I, <laughs> I want to change into a wolf. It's like this situation does not look good. Change into a bird, fly away. <laughs> right. Good luck, guys. <laughs> you got, uh, ooh, I don't even know how to say that. Kushi? Akushi? Akushi? Red wind. We'll just say red wind. Right. Uh, Laura fire. Or like the bright order. Think bolts of flames, gigantic Fireball. infernos, passion, heat. That's where that's at. <laughs> right. Passion and heat. Nice. Passion and heat. The red wind. That sounds like a, a bad movie. Passion and heat. 
Subtitle, The Red Wind. (laughs) Wow. That's dangerously accurate. (laughs) Moving on. We're we're almost done going through these here. Uh, We have Ulgu, which is the Grey Wind, which is another cool one. This is the Lore of Shadow. It's uh, done by the Grey Order. So this is the unseen depths, shadow, illusion magic, kind of trickstery kind of thing. You could think about it. You also have Shayish. (laughs) <laughs> the Purple Wind, which this is the lore of death, um, also known as Amnesty Disorder. And this is pretty interesting. I, I want to point out something here. So the lore of death is more about the passage of time and endings and death, but not necromancies. You would think in a lot of different settings that you would say the lore of death, oh, they're going to raise zombies and stuff like that. That exists in Warhammer, but not the lore of death. The lore of death isn't about raising zombies. It's somewhat connected to necromancy in some ways. A lot of necromancers would have access to the lore of death as a starting point, but the lore of death itself is more about endings, the passage of time. It took me a while to figure that out. The lore of death is necromancy. It's it's not. They're two different things. But if you're studying, or if you're a magic user in WFRP, how many of these wins do you specialize in? One. Just just, one. Just just one. one. Strictly one. If you don't, your head might explode. Got it. So the high elves... And Steve's going to talk about this in a little bit, I think. They use a mixture of all eight wins. The problem is is that human wizards do not have the mental fortitude to Right, exactly, to handle them all. In order to make it safe, actually, believe it or not, the High Elves helped create the Colleges of Magic and the Empire in order to fight a chaos invasion. As part of that, they basically train them only in one lore. So you can only have one lore. Now, within that lore, you might have a ton of different spells and stuff, but they're all going to be related, generally speaking, to that lore. Now, having said that, in previous WFRP editions, you can tra- you can train up different... It's, it's very specific. You might have, like, petty magic, for example. It's kind of like a lore, but it's it's more like just simple spells and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you, you're not going to train as a death wizard and also train as a fire wizard. That's That doesn't happen. Well, generally. Well, that wraps up the eight wins. We're going to go on to high magic. Primarily, it's used by, like, Slanish Mage Priests or just the Elves. It's pretty limited to those groups because they're the only ones that can use it. It's a mixture of all those eight wins that we just talked about. Like Lance saying, humans can't do it. It's pretty much just on them. It's primarily used by the high Elves, and it's actually called, like, the True Magic Kind right. of or, or pulling right from the source, you know, the eight wins, you're using all that. Very powerful spells if you ever played the fantasy Warhammer. Right. Very, very powerful spells. High magic was, I got my puny human wizards, and then your elf wizard, high magic spells are way better. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then on the flip side of that is dark magic. And dark magic is where we kind of get into ne- necromancy. Dark magic is also all eight winds of magic, but where all eight winds of magic and the high magic are an ordered, controlled way of pulling on all of those at once and being able to form them and weave them into like a single ordered way of very powerful spells. Necromancy or the dark magic is actually doing that, but just in an unordered, chaotic way. It is, you might think of it as wild and unpredictable. It's corrupted. And humans can actually access dark magic, but it's at great risk. In order to be a human to do this, you would have to practice a lot, which is why you see like necromancers and stuff are raising tons and tons of dead as they're practicing. And they're always having to study because one misstep 
they can't they can't control in an ordered way, but they can control in an unordered way. But if they do one tiny misstep, they're probably going to die, which is pretty much magic anyway. But <laughs> and uh, the dark magic is actually it's kind of spearheaded in a lot of different ways. But you see dark magic in its and it's weird to say this like in the pure form of dark magic is mostly handled by the dark elves. Yeah, um, they've mastered dark magic. That might be a better way to say that. Well, but that's where you get the necromancy part of it is the pure dark magic. And that leads us to even darker magic, just (laughs) chaos. Uh. Like we said in a previous episode, the higher ones that kind of started things and kind of started changing things on the world, they had those portals, and once they collapsed, opened up a door to chaos. And that's where the winds of magic come from in most of their forms. With chaos, it's corrupted, it's tainted. If you use it, it's going to change you, it's going to affect you. We'll talk about that later. But I just want to hit on the most powerful kind of beings in the chaos, and that being uh, the four gods of chaos. Korn, Lord of Battle. Nurgle, Lord of Decay. Zinch, the Architect of Fate. And Slanish, Dark Prince of Darkness. So if you were a sorcerer or wizard, and you chose one of those as like your Primarchs, you know, if you did what they needed to, they would reward you maybe with right. maybe an extra Ex- arm or... Except Korn, because mm, yes. Korn is... Corn has no, corn has no wizards. Yes, it's right. pretty much battle, but he will bless you with maybe a, a better weapon or hardened skin, things yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like demonic gifts and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting where even dark being arguably made of magic abhors magic. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Yeah, chaos magic is. If you think dark magic is unpredictable, chaos magic is the most unpredictable. Yeah, I did a great spell. Now I have five arms. So <laughs> or <laughs> that was a side I effect. Miscast a spell and we lost a battle and now my arms are gone. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now besides what we've already talked about with those, there are several other magical traditions, we'll say. Several other races and cultures have different types of magic focuses. For example, the culture of the Kislev uh, have ice magic. So those that's a area north of the Empire. And they use a magic that specifically is related to ice, where the orcs and goblins have their patron gods, Gork and Mork, which <laughs> I love their magic. Their magic That's just is great. It's it's awesome. They basically cast spells like orcs foot or Mork's foot or something like that. Yes, I was they, about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, and they like just crush units on the battlefield. Like that's from uh, fantasy battles or whatever. But there's a lot of really cool magic. Their magic's more sh- shamanistic. Yeah. Yeah. And then ogres also have like a, their magic is magic of the great maw, which is arguably very chaos related. Yes, but it's also sh- shamanistic, very shamanistic. And so, I mean, we could probably do whole episodes on those magic traditions. But uh, they just know they exist out there. They're different, but ultimately, all magic is still drawn from the realm of chaos. That brings up the dangers of magic. Oh, man. If we haven't already, already touched, touched on that, that. Yeah, like every single sentence. <laughs> no, no. It's like we cannot express enough how dangerous it is to be a wizard in this world. You're, you're, you're interacting with raw chaos. Even if you're studying on a wind of magic, you're, you're still attracting chaos and the right. demons. It's like sonar to them. They, don't, oh, they yeah. want to get out the realm, and you're get, given a beacon of, hey, you're available. Right. You know? And I should mention... This ain't Harry Potter, boys and girls. Okay, you're not doing like cheap magic tricks that you buy in the the corner store. Okay, this is oh, 
you're touching the immaterial realm. And like you said, now there's a lighthouse while you're using that that's letting every demon in the warp know, oh, there's somebody I can go eat. And the more powerful spell, the more powerful sonar ping that they get. And uh, if they're not prepared for it, they could be consumed or, hey, they might like talking to the demon and maybe switch sides. (laughs) You know, I'm offering you power. Right. You're going to say no to me and probably scared crapless and Mm -hmm. might say yes. But other than that, in other aspects, like I said, the corruption, uh, if you use too much cast magic or too much magic the wrong way, it will change you, corrupt you. Right. So I like to think of this ways. like the Emperor in Star Wars, right? Like, yes. And I realized that it wasn't him using the Force <laughs> that caused him to get all deformed in that. But that's how I view you use magic yes. in this world. You're eventually yep. – there's a cost. And you might not know it now. You might deal with it later. Right. Or sometimes it's like rolling the dice. Yeah, that cost was small. No, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that cost was big. You know, it reminds me of playing on the fantasy battlefield where one miscast <laughs> on a slanish mage priest could destroy his whole unit and him. Uh, we which, actually had a which game. Which has happened. Yeah, that, we, that was we nice. had a game we were playing, and the slan mage priest took out like half the army. They almost when it never fail, and he, he sure did. Yeah, and that's and so in the game we that that when that happens it's called a miscast, and that same thing happens in WFRP when when you miscast yes. when something goes wrong, something goes terribly wrong, you can blow up. You might that demon might enter the realm. Even in WFRP Second Edition, you can miscast and generate a random number of demons that are now. I've seen the chart, and it's pretty crazy. I mean, <laughs> you really don't want to take it to that no. point. No, and that's uh, the thing. And the more powerful the spell, the more, like, and same thing, WFRP, the more dice you're rolling, the higher chance of a miscast. Uh, I know. It's so scary. I think I'm still going to be a whip next time. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> nice. As you can imagine, that means most of the world doesn't view magic very favorably. So this is how you have to think it. Some of the most powerful people in the world are also some of the most feared. Around the world, there are different ways of dealing with this. In the Empire, where probably most of you are going to be playing their games, wizard spellcasters are feared. There are the wizards of the Colleges of Magic, and they're called like sanctioned wizards. They're sanctioned mages or magisters, you might hear them called. Whatever they're called, it means they're part of the orders, and as part of the orders, they're essentially okayed. But if you're not part of those orders, you are fair game to be killed, burned at the stake. There's even something called witch hunters in the, in the world. And their whole job, their whole profession is hunting down rogue magic users and killing them. Yep. And, and uh, that's expected. I'm, I mean, they fear it so much and it's kind of like that world, it's not tolerated at right. all. Right. Even in the time where most of your games will take place at the end of the Age of Man, like 200 years prior, the Colleges of Magic didn't exist. And any mutation or spell casting or anything like that, you'd be burned as a, as a witch immediately because it's so dangerous. So what you're saying is as a magic user, you either are going to accidentally kill yourself or be killed by right. a demon that you summon or by the, the uh, people of the town who are so afraid of you. Let me, let me put it this way. You're going to play WFRP most likely because you're listening to this podcast. And as you play WFRP, chances are high you're going to die. If you use magic, it'll most likely be your own fault. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bulk up on those spell castings. <laughs> right. Those characteristics. Uh, uh, as well roll one or two at a time, you know, two or three at a time. Right. Just, just to be safe. Just go for it. Go for bank. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see what Fourth does with Magic. It's going to be great. We kind of talked a little bit about uh, how it all works, but and and we have a general idea of the sense of how Magic works in the Warhammer world. So, how does that compare to other worlds like Middle Earth, Westeros, D and D, things like that? And I know Matt, you're huge into the Game of Thrones, way more than I am. Yeah. So, so tell well, me, amount, based yeah. on what you've heard, how does that? How is that? How does Warhammer different from Westeros <clears throat> when it comes to magic? Well, in the current setting of Westeros, which is what most people are going to be most familiar with, people don't usually don't really believe in magic because it's not used to the same extent that it was used, you know, generations and and millennia prior. As far as uh, spell users, they're definitely the people who attempt to like reanimate the dead and do things of that nature. It's they're few and far between. And the majority of the magic that you see is the dark magic, the Night King, the one who is charging and leading the White Walkers. It possesses magic, but outside of that, you don't really see it a whole lot. So do you see world. like a cost or a downside of the magic, like when the magic users use in that world? Or? Certainly not to the same extent that right. we've talked about for Warhammer Fantasy. And, where, and a lot of people realize for Lord of the Rings, for example, too, Lord of the Rings doesn't have very much magic. The magic that's there is powerful, but it's very, very subtle. Like Gandalf isn't casting a spell when he fights. He might have power in his staff or, you know, your staff is broken or, you know, those different sorts of things. Those are magical acts and stuff, and some of them can be very powerful, but they're not as overt. So you don't see Gandalf casting fireballs. So that's another thing like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm -hmm. Fireballs, you can be cast fireballs and all sorts of crazy spells. You have a lot of those sort of things in, in Warhammer. Like even you'll see petty spells and stuff that like are part of the, the WFRP previous editions and stuff. You can do a lot of different stuff. A lot of the same sort of stuff you could do like in D&D. And D&D can have some costs and stuff, but it's pretty rare to on just your average, I'm going to cast a spell in order to light my staff so I can see in the underground cave, oh, crap, I summoned a demon. Right. Like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And certainly, so it's a lot different. Than, yeah. yeah. Different, I think, is the, the right way to put it. So again, like in, in Westeros, a lot of the magic is tied into worshiping specific gods. So there's the old gods, there's the Lord of Light, there's the Seven. And each kind of deals with magic in a different way. So what we see most often in the books and in the TV show is the Lord of Light, which uh, if you've watched the show or read the books, you know about the Red Woman. Her name is Melisandre, and she's able to do different magical things, not so much in casting a spell, but like you said, doing like a ritual or reciting a chant or praying to that god to have some action be taken. And that has resulted in people dying, spirits killing other people, people coming back from the dead, all sorts of fun things. Right. right. Actually, I want to call an audible here. We don't have this in the show notes, but you mentioned praying to gods and that sort of thing. That actually exists in Warhammer 2, and we'll touch a little more on this when we talk about, on our fourth episode, when we talk about chaos and then some of the religions as well that kind of coincide with that. You can receive, like there are, like a priest of Ulrich, for example, or a priest of Moore. There are these priests for all these different gods and deities, and these gods and deities bestow magical gifts upon their 
worshippers and stuff. Sometimes a priest of Ulrich might be able to cast spells to help in battle or do different things, and it's really interesting, or maybe to heal somebody. There's a little bit of debate about this, but it's still magic. It's still being drawn from the realm of cast, but it's argued that it's so steeped in ritual and tradition that it's much safer, and then they don't have the same sort of failure rates or you know yep. demon worshipping, right? So magic really is pervasive. That's a good way to explain it. Magic is pervasive in the ma- in the Warhammer True. world. And it all depends on the level that you use it at. Like, they're using, like, the minor spells, things in cast wouldn't even care about right. most of the time. You know, little blessings, you know, here, right, here right, and there. Right. Things that would really attract, you know, the bad, bad would be powerful spells. Anything smaller than that, they might get some taint, but it's unnoticeable right. really to them, or they just don't care about that little that little fleck of light that they saw, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, so I think that wraps it up for kind of a brief yeah. overview of magic. So our next part of this we wanted to talk about tech levels. And this is going to be a little bit less, so it's it's going to be a quicker thing here. But technology in the Warhammer world is kind of a unique, strange thing. It's not just like feudal age and stuff like that. Warhammer has everything from a culture fighting with cannons, fighting an army with blow darts. It is not unusual to have those types of wide ranging of technology. And of course, all of it is interspersed with magic. In general, the Warhammer world has like a mix of Renaissance level technology, um, kind of mixed with magic, but there are a ton of exceptions. So we're going to talk a little bit about kind of some of those exceptions because it does vary by race and the location in the Warhammer world. We'll start with the Empire. Like I said before, they are a mixture of Renaissance level technology and magic. I mean, they do have cannons, guns, yet they still use swords, maces, you know, the basic stuff. They have steam technology. They do have a like steam tank which yeah. is, I would say is their most advanced technology, so right. to speak, beyond the rare stuff, which all, always might pop up. The Skaven, they could also be classified with the same technology. I mean, they, they have their own weapons too. They're more reliant on warp stone for their technology, but they do have guns. They do have weapons of war. Skaven technology is really unique as in it's kind of the same as the Empire as far as they do have guns and things but it's more like muskety sort of things but it's all powered by warp stone yes so which is a magical stone in the world where the empire is kind of all built on gunpowder and stuff but it's similar it's, same it's same weird. but different right exactly <laughs> where and you kind of have on the other end of the side there you have the elves which to this day the elves are still shooting bows and arrows when you think about it it's kind of strange while the humans have muskets you know the elves are using bows and arrows, but they really don't have a ton of need. Their arrows and their bows are like the amazing, the best there are. And then their spellcasters are some of the most powerful in the world. The average elf spellcaster is going to wipe the floor of an average human spellcaster almost any day. Their culture is more heavily dependent on magic than it is technology. And it's funny that way because you think about that, well, like elves never bothered to develop firearms or care, but they also have developed the best seagoing vessels that are on the face of the planet. So it, it's really weird. Their technology is one of elegance. It's a lot like Tolkien, right, where they they have this epitome of technology, but they really just focus on the magic. And I really feel that they think that those greater technology, well, I would say greater technology, but like a steam tank wouldn't be them just because they would view it as dirty, kind of right. the smoke. They don't need that billowing yeah. smoke. Yeah, all the effort that was put in to make that steam tank for destruction, one spell. When an elf could probably just fire one arrow and take out the crew. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's a lot of cultures that have this kind of similar level technology. Like the lizard men are are using bows and arrows and, you know, they're they're not really 
having any firearms or anything like that. It's Orcs, like, goblins. It's oh, like they're at a point yeah. where their magic's so good that they don't need the extra firepower. Right, exactly. Uh, that brings us to the dwarves. They are kind of a conflict when it comes to technology because they do use technology. They really revere the old stuff that's been proven that works century after century. It works. We don't like to change then you got the think tanks for them, like the engineers guilds. They create the new stuff that's not really trustworthy for the main group of them. But this could be like a mixture of uh, middle age technology to higher technology. We're talking like steam tech, which which is amazing. Firearms, because in the Warhammer world, the dwarves arguably had the most advanced technology at all. Yes, and the killer is is they go, wow, has this technology been around for less than? 10,000 years, right? then I ain't trusting it. Yep. Forget that. Give me my crossbow. I don't, you know, that's their whole culture. They want to strive to make the best and the most advanced stuff, but they don't trust the stuff once they make it until it's been around and proven forever. Right. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I love that conflict. Like that same dwarf hold will have engineers that make this amazing stuff and they're like a ranking member, but the runesmith who wouldn't dream of picking up a gun <laughs> has arguably way more power so uh and that brings us to some of the smaller places like britonia is very almost middle ages tech the culture is heavily focused on knights and feudalism so like only peasants will use missile weapons and they're much more focused on feudalism kind of like i said so they don't really have any technology past that they they're focused on it's like almost a pre-renaissance era and you'll run into that similar sort of situation where you have a mix of technology. There's like a lot of smaller countries like Talea and stuff. They'll have a mix between feudalism and Renaissance age technology as well. So there's a lot more examples in the Warhammer world that you could be out there. But that gives you a basic understanding of kind of the overview of what, right. what you're looking at for technology. All right. Well, using magic and tech to help inform your stories. I mean, there there's so many different storylines that you could use magic with. I mean, you could use it kind of the conflict of technology versus magic, maybe a storyline where someone's reliant on technology or magic. Right. So GMs, this is a good place for you to, if you're looking for, I want to make a campaign or maybe just an adventure that really kind of gets a good point. A great one for Warhammer is technology versus magic. They're often at odds. And being overly reliant on either of them often leads to disaster in this world. So There are dangers. Yeah. So I think that about wraps it up. I, we talk about a few resources that you might be able to use. Find out more about the Warhammer world um, if you want to keep on digging on. So obviously once 4th edition comes out, a lot of the core rule books and supplements will have that information. You can find out a ton of information in the Warhammer Army books. Even the old Army books have a ton of good information. We've said that before, and they're pretty cheap to pick up, like on Amazon or eBay. Highly recommend that. The Warhammer Fantasy Battle rule books have a bunch of uh, lore in them as well that talk a lot about magic and the technology. So those are all good things you can pick up as well. Uh, if you need some more information on, on the web, there's always warhammerfantasy.wikia.com, games-workshop.com or whfb.lexicanum.com, or, you know, there's Google. Right. You can uh, just Google. look it up and right. <laughs> find probably I think we, more we established that, that last time. Like, exactly. well, you could just Google this. Google's this your be new best friend. <laughs> or if you really do need the links, just check out our show notes. Yeah, we'll have the links in the show notes. We'll get them added to our previous shows, too. <laughs> so so I, I think 
that's it. That's the end of our show for tonight. Thanks for joining us as we've given you the barest overview of magic and technology in the Warhammer world. We hope that you found this helpful and it gets you thirsting for some more. So be sure to check out all the different sources we've referenced. Take a look and do your own digging if you want more. Some great stuff. It's a great world. On our next episode, we're going to be continuing our series of episodes aimed at giving you an overview of the Warhammer world. In that next installment, we're going to be diving into the Denzians of the Warhammer world as we give you a brief overview of the races and beasts that live in this incredible world. As we've said before, if you're wet behind the ears as a greenhorn or if you're a grizzled veteran, be sure to tune in to our next show. So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on all of our different social media platforms. Twitter is at Old World Podcast. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. The Old World Podcast is recorded at AFK Games. AFK Games is located in Lansing, Michigan, and is the one-stop shop for your tabletop and board gaming needs. Find out more online at www.afk-games.com. If you're in the area, be sure to stop in and say hi. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.